I get to it first, I got you mad. I guess that when I get to it last, get it that I'm never going back. Get it that I'm never going back. I get to it first, I got you mad. I guess that when I get to it last, get it that I'm never going back. Get it that I'm never going back. Going up, going up, going up, going up, going up, going up. Get it that I'm never going up, going up, going up, going up, going up, going up, going up. Get it that I'm never going. All right, Ernie, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on, taking the time here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Closed Traffic Podcast. Uh, you just see me today. Unfortunately, uh, Johnny is tied up, and uh, he definitely wanted to be here. He, he wouldn't miss this for the world. Uh, but unfortunately, life gets in the way sometimes, and uh, he will not be able to join us today, at least on the host side. He may pop in here and again uh, in the chat. But the show goes on. We've got uh, Ernie. You all know him as Big Earn or Flying with Big Earn from his YouTube channel uh, and amongst the community. And he has graciously uh, taken time out of his day to come on here to spend some time uh, with all of us flight sim enthusiasts, real world aviators, wherever you fall in this bucket of aviation. He's here to spend some time with us, answer some questions here uh, and just kick back and have a good time. So, Ernie, I appreciate you coming on, man. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm honored to be on here. Awesome. So, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. I think I stumbled across your channel. I want to say probably just as the, the pandemic hit and a lot of us were just, you know, locked indoors, um, you know, because there was really not many places to go. And it was really a time where, uh, aviation wasn't doing too much and, uh, you know, finding your channel. And I think later on the the community came and, and saw your channel as well. And we were able to to gain some perspective into all of the operations behind the scenes and and just how involved and how much you love aviation. And I think it was uh, so awesome to see. And obviously, since then, your your channel has grown tremendously. Um, I kind of want to start with what got you into aviation. Can you kind of walk us through this path for you and how you eventually oh, yeah. got into uh, commercial aviation and flying for Southwest? Yeah, for sure. Um, and it goes way back uh, to my childhood. Uh, my father was in the Air Force. He was a, a maintainer on on uh, F-4 aircraft uh, okay. out here at Luke um, back in the day. So uh, I just would remember I, I would go to his job once in a while. He had to pick up something. He was, uh, you know, he was in the later part of his career, so he was more of a supervisor out there. But uh, I would go into his office and, and he would show me the airplanes out on the ramp and I'd watch these pilots walk out. And, you know, I'm, I'm probably six years old, seven years old. These guys were giants, you know, and they're, uh-huh. they got their they got the green suit on, they got their helmet bag and they're walking out. And I thought, oh, that is awesome. I hear him taking off in the distance. And, and my dad was a, a big um, aircraft modeler. So he'd build model airplanes. Oh, okay. So I learned and very early on how to identify different airplanes because I remember seeing an F4 that he made and painted up and put in my room and then when I was out on the flight line I'm like that's the same airplane he's like yeah very good you know and and uh I just remember that that was that was a defining moment so then I was always drawing them uh probably more than I should have in class (laughs) oh I was at school I was drawing airplanes but it started very very early on um my dad's uh, dismay, I would cut down some of the model airplanes that he flew. You know, I, I would commando my way up there, cut them down, and then uh, fly around the house 
like pretending I'm in the uh, cockpit and, and seeing what it's like to turn and, and all yeah. that. So it started very, very early in my career. Okay. That's neat. That's neat. So did you want to fly in the air force or did you always know you wanted to go the commercial route or kind of how, when did that come about that decision, that fork in the yeah. road, if you will? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, I think, I think everybody kind of goes through an evolution, right? Like I only knew the air force cause that was what my dad was in mm -hmm. and I didn't even, you know, the airlines really they it was not a a priority for me or even an aspect that i was even thinking of i just wanted to go in and fly airplanes for the air force so gotcha. um as i started going down the road of you know you know getting older and then okay now i need to get my private pilot license started flying with that and i started being introduced to other folks that's why i love the aviation community because you mm -hmm. know it's so diverse that you know, I, I was just thinking, hey, I'm going to get my private and I'm going to go to the Air Force. I'm going to fly in the Air Force. And then mm -hmm. I have no idea what I'm going to do after that. And when I started getting my private, I was being introduced to like, you know, I remember asking my best friend at the time, uh, Brian, I was like, you know, his dad was an airline, American Airlines pilot, captain. And, oh. uh, and I, I said, wow, man, how, how did he do that? And he was like, oh, well, he, you know, he flew in the Air Force or the Marine Corps. And then he got into the Air National Guard or, or the Air Force Reserve and you know got a job in america and i'm like wow it's, it works like that i had no idea <laughs> you know yeah so yeah. uh i think I, as i evolved going through getting my private and i figured you know i was wasting all this money just kind of flying my buddies around and uh <laughs> you know, all my buddies were broke just like i was and i'm like hey man can you spare a couple dollars for gas and they're like no i'm like all right we'll go anyway we'll go anyway <laughs> but, but uh my parents were like hey you're wasting a lot of money on on you know, now that you have your private, just go and get your instrument. And my dad was always, you know, big on education as far as, hey, further your education, don't just waste money on, mm -hmm. you know, burning holes in the sky, although valuable with, right. uh, you know, getting your experience, but put it to good use. And so I started getting my instrument. And by this time, I was uh, in college, and oh, uh, I did it all on the side, and got my CFI and I instructed my last year in uh, college and then I started learning about, you know, I was in Air Force ROTC, I guess I should back up. When I went into college, I went to Air Force ROTC. Then I learned about the Air National Guard and Air Force Reserve. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, back back then the internet wasn't huge, right? Yeah. So it was all kind of like word of mouth and, you know, hey, there's right. this thing called the Air National Guard and the Air, Air Force Reserve. And yep. um, I learned more about that and I thought, wow, so I can I can fly for the Air Force and I can have my uh, a career in the airlines. Um, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, I think I do that. So you know, that's that's that started the journey, and and uh, you know, it was a long long road. You know, a lot of challenges, but uh, you gotcha. know, I, I eventually ended up at, at Southwest. So I, I would just to answer your question, I would say it was a building block approach as I okay. kind of learned more about aviation and what was what was available in the the space on what I wanted to do. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a whole host of different ways, you know, to take this career, especially nowadays, right? Um, I think it's it's important for folks to know that there are different opportunities across aviation. It's not always the airlines, but, you know, that's what mm -hmm. a lot of folks kind of see and what they know and what they're most familiar with. Um, but, right. you know, that kind of leads me into, you know, my next question here. We've got 
a group of flight simmers, real world pilots, uh, just overall aviation enthusiasts here. Uh, and a couple of them have even actually started, you know, their discovery flights and started looking into flight training. And, and some are just, you know, wondering where they should even start, what they should be looking for. Um, sure. What advice would you have as it relates to, you know, those folks going out to a their uh, approach to obtaining a pilot's license, whether it's from the very beginning from a discovery flight right through that mm -hmm. check ride, um, you know, figuring out, you know, who the right instructor, the right school is, the maintenance program, uh, kind of walk us through what what you think folks should be looking for as they they uh, they go on that journey. Yeah, um, like you said, Mike, there's there's several different roads to to starting your training, um, but I think it all begins with that first discovery flight. Mm -hmm. um, going out to your local airport and just and don't really worry about what flight school you want to go to yet. Find out if flying's for you because you know honestly it's it's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, you may go up in the air and you find out oh you know I don't really enjoy this. It's not what I thought it was. Right. Or you get up in the air like I was as soon as the wheels left the ground. I was like <laughs> I I, I want to do this do. forever. Right. Yeah. Um, so the first the first thing I would say is start with a discovery flight, go to your local airport um, and just sign up for a discovery flight. They range anywhere from, you know, 20 minutes to to 40 minutes of flight time, depending on the school. Mm -hmm. But um, with that, I, I believe the schools also will try to, uh, you know, sit you down and, and tell you kind of the path that they have at that particular flight school. But again, the important part is to get that discovery flight in there. You know, they should have you fly the airplane a little bit up in the yeah. air, you know, it, just so it introduces you to flying. So when you get down um, and you're like, yes, this is what I want to do. Now the hard part begins where you do your due diligence and starting to explore different flight schools. Right. Um, and that that can take, you know, uh, another long road. But the more you invest in Picking the right flight school, the better your success rate will be down the road. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Is there, you know, once they kind of gone through that initial discovery flight, you're spot on. I remember my initial discovery flight. I actually felt sick coming back. Yeah. Down. Um, right. You know, we we did a bunch of steep turns and 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 whatnot and before I even knew what all that stuff was. But the instructor right. was putting me through the paces and some of the uh, obviously the air work that you would have to know as a private pilot. And I didn't feel too good coming back down. Right. And I, I went home yeah. and wondered, man, I I don't know if this is actually for me. Right. Um, you know, but I mustered up and and tried it again a couple months later and. I felt fine. And it, I think part of it was I didn't eat. So you always have this, yes. this misconception that, you know, you don't want to <laughs> eat because you don't yes. want to throw up. But then right. you realize you actually have to eat to not throw Correct. up, right? Because, you know, you, you obviously need to ensure you've got food in your stomach. You know, flying right. an airplane takes a lot of work, both mentally as well as physically. But again, you don't know that going in. You kind of learn that, right. you know, after the fact. But, you know, you, you did mention, you know, finding the right school, finding the right instructor, what is it? I think that instructor student relationship is extremely important, even beyond the uh, the the right school, because I think you can have a great school, but you get that one bad instructor or that instructor that isn't right for you and your learning style. It can create a bad experience for you. So what do you think, you know, folks should be looking for in an instructor, if you will, as it relates sure. to, you know, pursuing their their flight training? Yeah. Now, Mike, let me let me back up one second. You said something that really hit me. Um, how you your discovery flight, you started feeling nauseous. Yeah, that happens to a lot of people. Don't let that 
dissuade you just like you mike you you hey i'm gonna hit it again um a lot of times people go up on uh, on a discovery flight and they get sick it's normal um the cfi should know you mm -hmm. know kind of if you're starting to not feel well to tone it down but right. um don't let that dissuade you from a career in aviation because everybody got sick i got sick uh when i first started flying and your story of not you know eating you don't yeah. know anybody when i first started getting my private pilot license I would not eat. And it was like, you know, four or five hours of not eating, flying, doing steep turns. So yeah, I would get sick yeah. all the time until my instructor said, hey, what are you eating before you we fly? And I said, well, nothing. I don't want to get sick. He goes, no, that's wrong. <laughs> so, I yeah. didn't know. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. Anyways, I just wanted to tie the loop on that. That That's a very important fact. And I don't want that nausea to to dissuade anybody from yeah. a career in, in aviation because it's normal and it does happen your mm -hmm. body adapts to it and, and yep. that gets better um okay so flight instructor i always think when you evaluate a school so my, you know obviously my daughter's up at und right now and she's finishing um her flight training up there okay but what but what we did is we depending on which road you want to go to, um, you know, there's the university path. If you're just getting out of high school and you want to go through the full university path, there's a, another path of getting your, all your ratings uh, outside the university at a, a normal mm -hmm. flight school, or, a, you know, they have these uh, career flight schools that take you from private all the way up to your CFI. And then there's the mom and pop, you know, I was a mom and pop kind of flight school guy mm -hmm. when I first started flying. So I don't think, I, to your point, I would put the focus on the flight instructors. And what I believe is, what is the culture like at that flight school? Um, yeah. And does what kind of instructors do they produce? Because obviously, leadership at the top will dictate your culture. Right. You know, how do they how do, do they support their instructors? Do their instructors feel, um, you know, they can call it knock it off for any kind of safety issue. Mm -hmm. um, those are the kind of things I would look for. And um, the flight school that you choose to to get your ratings most likely will be the flight school that you learn to fly in. So the yeah. flight school that you find that fits you, your personality, you know, your your desire for the, the culture that's around there is probably the flight school that you're going to end up yep. being a flight instructor at. So, um, but there's, you know, we are humans. Uh, personalities are all different all the way around. Yep, indeed. And flight schools with numerous flight instructors, they have protocols to where if a student isn't isn't necessarily getting a subject, they can audible to another flight instructor. Or yep. if if you have a personality conflict with a flight instructor, that flight school, if they're if they're really watching their students, can pick up on that and move that student maybe to another flight instructor. So yep. it happens all the time. It's not, it's not a derogatory thing by any stretch. It's just, you know, Hey, maybe you're not gelling well with this flight instructor and you go to this flight instructor. Yeah. Um, so, but to, to find out the right flight instructor, you got to find out the right school. And, you, right. and the only way you're going to do that is by going up there, not just talking to, you know, the, you may be talking to the owner of the flight school or some of the flight instructors there, but talk to the students. Those are your, yeah. your, your biggest value of finding out what kind of flight school it is and how they like it and what are some of the things that you know they could improve if they had the chance those are Indeed. good insights that you can find at uh, about finding a good flight school yep yep i did a lot of that here uh for sure also dpe availability it's something that 
you don't really look at till you know you're much further in um right. i think that that definitely depending on you know your goal and and when you want to be completed by um mm-hmm. dpe availability for the flight school also uh you know weighs you know weighs heavily i think or Correct. a good part of the uh the decision making there you know what that what the, that network looks like and and whatnot so that makes yeah, sense and I, will, and I will say with the dpe uh, availability that is important mm-hmm. um but be careful with flight schools that say well you know our dpes are two weeks out or whatever because we only use these group of, of dpes mm-hmm. um you should be able to go take your check ride with anybody yep. um to right um if there's a DP that's available, you should be able to, within reason. I mean, right. we're we all know that you know there's the one percent out there that you know you may not want to take a check ride with. Right. But if the DP is fair and 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 you know judges exactly the way they're supposed to, mm-hmm. you should be able to take a check ride with any DP. So, um, and the fact that you can take a check ride with any DP should open up the pool of DPs. So. Yep. Don't just go to a flight school because they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we have 100 percent pass rate, but we only schedule with this DPE and he's, you know, six months out. from six months. <laughs> your check ride, Exactly. You know? There is a lot of that going on out there. There is spot yeah. on. And at the end of the day, they should all be, you know, grading you or examining you by the ACS. So uh, Correct. that is that spot on. Um, and that flight school should be teaching you to the to, ACS. Exactly. Right? So yep. so again, as long as the flight school is sound with their syllabus, you know, they should have a syllabus. Right. And as, soon as as long as they're sound with, you know, their practices and their standardization with their flight instructors, you should be able to interchange flight instructors with no problem. Um, you know, those are some of the little things that I would look for in, uh, in picking a flight school. Got it. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, guys, welcome. We are on with, uh, obviously, uh, Ernie. You all know him as Flying with Big Earn on YouTube and across the aviation community. Uh, we're just here, man, just going through uh, some topics as it relates to aviation. We went through, you know, kind of how Ernie has gotten started, uh, you know, some of uh, his examples around flight training and what you all should be looking forward to as well. Um Another topic we had here, Ernie, is, and we've heard this for quite some time now, for many years, right? There's a pilot shortage. And usually there isn't a lot of context or details behind, okay, what does that pilot shortage mean? Um, And then, you know, it kind of went away when COVID hit. We didn't really hear about it too much, right? And then obviously, you know, uh, demand for travel and air travel came back roaringly. Um, And then we hear again, there's a pilot shortage. Uh, you see United <laughs> just opened up that, uh, I think, Aviate Academy to help right. kind of uh, defeat the pilot shortage, right? Right. What? Right to, down the road. Yeah. You know, as someone that, oh, really? Oh, that's right. Yeah, They're that's in, right. Down uh, hey, but I do have to plug 225 for my company, Southwest. <laughs> that we have we have a flight school right down the road, too. So. Oh, so and where's that again? Where's that again? Uh, it's in Falcon Field, uh, Falcon Destination Field. 225, and okay. it's hosted through uh, CAE up in falcon cae okay got it got it well you guys heard you guys heard (laughs) (laughs) i gotta plug (laughs) them of course uh but yeah pilot shortage as someone that obviously works in the industry but not only works in the industry you uh not recruit but you interview uh for your you're part of the selection process for candidates Mm -hmm. for your airline as well what does that pilot shortage mean to you and what are you actually seeing out there as it relates to that yeah, you know, the, the the pilot shortage has been, you know, brewing ever since I started, you know, 
25, 30 years ago, right? (laughs) You've always heard about this pilot shortage. Um, You know, I think that can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Some people have the, uh, the aspect of, well, we're just not paying enough to, to pilots. That's why Mm -hmm. there's a pilot shortage. Um, And some others say, you know, this is, this is totally real. We can't find pilots right now. Um, Yeah. I think, you know, I have to go back, you know, I'm kind of a dinosaur in the, in the industry a little bit, uh, getting to the dinosaur age, I guess. But uh, back when I was flying, I hate using that term. Back in my day. <laughs> back, in my day. <laughs> back when I was flying, um, you know, some of my friends that went off to regional airlines were getting paid $12,000 a year to start. Wow. So it was insane back then. Um, wow. But you have to remember that you know, we're, we're all kids. We were, you know, 18, 19 years old. I remember throwing footballs uh, to each other before another flight while we were waiting for more students (laughs) to come in. I mean, we, we didn't have any money. Right. So when we were probably making 7,000, $8,000 a year Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, when a regional airline offered 12,000, well, that's a step up and I'm building my time towards my ultimate goal. Now, um, you know, like, for instance, my daughter is going to go to an airline that's probably going to pay, you know, a, a very nice wage to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the way the way it is, you know, yep. because there is limited access to pilots and because pilots take so long to create there is there is a lag in that. And mm-hmm. in order to make up the lag of that shortage, they have to start offering bonuses um, although I, I will, I will caution people, don't just go after the bonus, look at your perspective airline that you want to go to, whether it's a regional, whether it's a corporate outfit, whether it's a fractional, look at it and really understand their business model and their culture around there. Again, we go back to the culture on flight instructing. I think that goes through everything that you do in life. You know, you want yep. to be at a place that respects you that uh, gives you the tools you need to be successful and run a safe operation, regardless of what that is. So um, as far as getting back to the shortage, right now the competitive times are going down. Um, Mm. And and you're right, you know, I not not only interview, but I also recruit. I think my job as being part of the hiring team is to go out and to recruit folks to come to my airline. And I have to you know, I, I always go back to football, right? Like I am a recruiter. I want you to play for my team. And right. that's kind of the, the, the mentality that I have on it uh, okay. because there's a lot of people out there and we're recruiting for talent, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It's just the fact, the fact it, it takes so long to create someone to get into the major airlines that we're all out there. All of us, American United, Delta FedEx, we're out recruiting hard to get talent because that pool is shrinking and shrinking. Mm. Um, so is there a shortage? I think if you look back historically, there is less pilots now available than there were two, three, four years ago. And that, wow. that pool is going to get, you know, we're all fishing out of the same pond. So right. yeah. the number of fish in that pool are starting to get smaller and smaller because we can't produce them fast enough. Yep. Uh, so I guess to answer your question, there is kind of a shortage going on it's right there. now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's there. brewing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it also it, it kind of ties back to you know what we were talking about with flight training and finding the right school and the right instructor. This right. shortage also creates a vacuum back that way 
because you've got these instructors that are trying to build time and, and go to the airline. For me, per- I had three instructors during my training leave yeah. for the airlines. And it was, right. uh, you know, at the end of the day, I get it right. You know, they're, they're trying to, trying to go and achieve their, their, their goals and, and whatnot. Um, but it was tough because, you know, for me personally, how I learned is having that personal relationship with right. you know, my instructor and whatnot. So it was tough, you know, I got it done, but it, it was tough to kind of find these different variances and, and different ways how, you know, about, you know, how people instruct and how they teach and, and how they expect right. things to be done. So this shortage at the airline level also, I think, creates that vacuum at the, uh, the instructor level as well. So that's probably another thing, another area that you want to look out for as it relates to, right. you know, going about your flight training and finding the right school and the right group of instructors as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I think you're, you're spot on. That's, that's kind of what we've heard, you know, through the yeah. community and, 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 and through the world that there actually is this shortage. So. Um, and again, I, I, I speak for, I speak for myself, right? I'm not speaking for my company or anything like that. Right, of course. That's just my my you know anecdotal yep. view on things right now on on how I'm seeing our pool um, mm-hmm. of candidates out there is just shrinking. People are getting job offers. Um, it's a competitive environment, which makes it exciting for those that are coming up. You know, through oh, the yeah. I'm always talking about, hey, this is what's happening out there right now. Get yourself ready. Put in that hustle. Put in that work because, you know, as as that pool gets drained and you're building your, your experience, you're going to match and you're going to get probably multiple job offers because everybody's competing. Gotcha. No, that, that, that makes sense. Uh, there's Johnny. There you go. <laughs> How you doing, man? We miss you, man. We miss you on this side. Hope uh, everything is going well over there. Uh, all of you, thanks for joining. Appreciate it. We are on with, uh, with Ernie here, uh, flying with Big Ernie, as you all know him. Uh, just walking through some of the aspects of aviation and trying to get you all some uh, some tips and some of the questions that you all have posed over the last couple of weeks. Ernie is here um, answering them and spending some time with us. So I appreciate it. So on, on the recruiting front, um, you know, you mentioned that you recruit as well as are part of the interview process for your airline. Um, with it being so competitive, what is it? that you think candidates, you know, for those folks that have met the the minimum time and and the minimum requirements, right, to even apply, what is it that you think they should be doing in order to stand out, right, Um, you know, within your team or just the the airlines in general when they're going for that interview? Sure. Yeah, you know, a a lot of it, we're hiring pilots, right? So we want you to be the best pilot possible. So when you're going through your ratings, you're going through, and it's okay. Look, I failed my private pilot license. You know, failures do happen. Mm-hmm. It's what did you do with that failure and how did you move on? So uh, speaking with that, on that topic, as you're going through your ratings, obviously don't fail. Try to be the best that you can and learn the most that you can. And then once you, you get to your regional or your corporate outfit or wherever you're at, start looking for some of those uh, positions that, kind of set you apart, you know, and give you, you know, again, additional knowledge, additional learning, um, right. whether that's in a safety program, whether that's becoming a Czech airman, that you've attained uh, such the knowledge base that your company feels, um, you know, puts a lot of responsibility in you to teach the future uh, pilots that are coming in and ensure that they're holding the standard. So those are the things that kind of stand out, you know, working gotcha. in safety, working on SMS program, becoming a Czech airman, chief pilot, um, kind of those things. But 
I say that to say that you need to focus on your flying first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had these bows and nah, no worries. My, my ears keep falling out. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. So okay, that's uh that that makes sense. So yeah. that kind of you know again most of the community and the group here um, are flight sim enthusiasts, right? You know sure. we, we fly yeah. in addition to you know some of us here flying in the real world with our private pilot license and instrument ratings and whatnot. We also fly simulators. Um, mm-hmm. So the community wants to know: Does Big Earn fly flight sims? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I used to. I flew sims before I can start. You know, remember way back when, when I was, uh, you know, just getting the bug for aviation. I would get. Uh, I forget what it was called. I think it was still Microsoft Flight Sim back then too. Uh-huh. Uh, I would fly that around and get different airplanes and there's all these different flight simulators out there. And I, I did it a lot when I was, when I was younger. And I yeah. really believe that that helped me as I transitioned to flying, you know, getting my private pilot license. It just kind of gave you a little bit more of a, a little bit of air sense and just, you know, that yeah. hand eye coordination. And yeah. from what I've seen lately, some of the flight sims are amazing. The, the oh, graphics and everything. <laughs> on there. Yeah, I, I, I have not flown one yet, but uh-huh. I, I definitely I have seen them and I've been in awe at, at, you know, it's just it's really cool what technology has <laughs> done. When, when you get a chance, check it out. I mean, when I tell yes. you that you can with a lot of these desktop simulators today, a lot of these add ons and the community will know what I'm talking about as I drop names here, but with uh, the Zebo and X-Plane 11, PMDG, that I think actual real, um, you know, line pilots actually, you know, go in and, and, and you know, study some of the systems and whatnot sure. um, in advance for their, their sim check. Uh, it, yep. is, it is, it is, it is as close to the real thing as we've ever seen um, historically. Wow. I mean, yeah. watching your videos and a lot of these folks can attest to this, all of the things that you're doing in the cockpit and setting up and, and whatnot, you can simulate it here today with a lot oh, of these dude. desktop sims. Yeah, um, that's amazing. And in addition to that, there's this added aspect of air traffic control as well. Um, you yes. know, it's no secret that one of the hardest things for folks as they transition into the world of aviation is uh, trying to talk to air traffic control and this fear and this, mm-hmm. this anxiety before you hit that push to talk button. We've got mm-hmm. things like uh, pilot edge and, and that's in where you're talking to actual real world traffic, real world air traffic controllers oh, um, wow. that are, are, are simulating the real procedures, uh, the, mm-hmm. the SIDS, the stars, everything by the book. So I think flight sims have come a long way. Um, and I know for me personally as well, for a lot of folks here that have their license, I uh, was a big, um, you know, a, a big reason uh, as to why we were able to kind of go through uh, and, and be successful. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. it's something that someone should definitely take a look at when they're first starting yeah. their flight training, if they're not into, into flight sims today, um, because mm-hmm. it does really have, you know, adds that level of perspective that, you know, you wouldn't normally have, you know, coming in totally fresh, especially um, as it relates to the the air traffic control front, so I think that's pretty cool. Sure. Uh, no, I, I I think like you said, that's that's a big part of of learning to fly. Okay, not only are you trying to control this airplane hurling through the sky, right? 
But now you have yeah. to follow the directions of air traffic control. So that's just that's another plate you're spinning. I call it right. You're yeah. explaining the the plate of okay, what did he tell me to do? Oh, okay, don't crash. You got to keep the airplane upright, and you know check your airspeed and all this other stuff. Yeah. Uh, you throw ATC in there. That's why, you know, typically we don't throw ATC into you know new pilots as they start. We gradually feed it. Right. In. Right. Because, you know, that is such a big aspect. And having an ATC simulator like that is huge. Um, that's that's great. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I uh, wish I had that back then. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of folks, you know, say, say the same thing. Again, you know, Johnny, who, you know, who, who's here in the chat, um, you know, he was a commercial pilot as well. And he says the mm -hmm. same thing all the time. He's obviously an avid flight simmer now as well. You know, he wished he had some of these tools at his disposal when he started his flight training back then. A lot sure. of people say the same thing. I mean, you're literally able to, you know, we, we talk about in, in the, uh, you know, in the, uh, the aviation world when you're going to get your license, this whole aspect of chair flying. This is like Correct. taking chair flying to the to the next level. The next I mean, level, you actually yeah. have the simulator. Wow. You can look outside and, and yeah. you know, do your actual VFR flying, your pilotage, your dead reckoning. Uh, you've right. got air traffic control. You could pick up VFR flight following everything that, yeah. I mean, wow. for flight even has a, a, an add on uh, to no the flight kidding. sim where you can use it. Yeah. Before I fly it to any new airport, I, I fly it in the sim at least a couple of days before the, yeah. the, the, the full on in the 172 That's with awesome. my for flight with air traffic yep. control. And it really helps because it gives me this added, you know, perspective and you know this situational awareness that i wouldn't have had going into it fresh um right. so i i think it's uh it, it's awesome it's awesome guys welcome in the community's excited about this man guys thank you for <laughs> for joining we've got uh, obviously uh big earn flying with big earn here uh joining the closed traffic podcast today we're just going through uh some of these questions here as it relates to aviation and kind of how Ernie got started and some of his tips for you all that's looking to pursue a career in aviation, whatever it may be. Again, we talked about doesn't have to necessarily be the airline, but there are plenty of other opportunities out there as well. Um, so kind of now, Ernie, going through, you know, you've gone through your discovery flight and, and picking the right instructor and picking the right school and you've gotten to this point where you're now getting ready to take your check ride, right? The, uh, the infamous mm. check ride with both the, oh, yeah. uh, the oral and the practical what's, mm. you know, what tips do you have for those folks that are getting ready to go into, you know, a check ride? I think it's one of the most daunting experiences right. you can yeah, have, especially sure. at the private pilot level. I know all of them are, you know, gets your, uh, yeah. your butterflies in your stomach, but definitely pri the private pilot one, because it's your first, you know, check drive, what, you know, tips and, and, and just overall uh, knowledge can you share with the community about going into a check ride? Yeah. So the first thing I'll always say to any of uh, my buddy, Sam is getting ready to do his private pilot check ride. Mm -hmm. And I told him you would not be signed off if your instructor wasn't fully confident that you can accomplish this check ride in a safe manner. So Indeed. know that, understand that but also you know yeah you're going to be nervous um you know I, i'm a big football guy right so i always think of coach saban when he talks about trust the process right yeah yeah you have to trust the process you've gone through this process of getting your private pilot license or whatever phase that you're in 
you've gone through the process. The process is well-traveled. As long as you put the effort in on every step of that process, you're going to be successful. Now, when it's game day, you're going to have game day jitters. That's just normal, <laughs> yeah. right? Yep. But you've practiced this, you know, in the case of private pilot, you've practiced these maneuvers over and over and over again that it should be getting to be second nature. So when yeah. you do have those jitters, you know what to do. Your body knows what to do. Your mind knows what to do. It mm -hmm. may be, you know, a little foggy to start, but you'll right. snap right back into it. Yeah. I always say everything everything gets clarity when the football is in the air, right? Yeah. So exactly, you, your, your mind is clear and you can go attack. Same thing with a private pilot license. The biggest part of uh, I felt when I was going through it was the anxiety leading up to the start of the private yes. pilot. Yes. <laughs> Once it started and you know the game's on, yeah, and you're playing, you, you kind of settle into in. This, you settle in, yep. and and it just works. So. Um, just be confident, you know, your instructor wouldn't sign you off unless he felt confident that you could pass the check ride and just be confident in your ability to conduct the check ride because you have to trust the process because the process prepares you for the check ride. So, yeah. um, and again, you know, a lot of people, like I asked my buddy, Sam, Hey, what's, uh, what are you worried about most? And he's like, I'm not worried about the flying. I'm worried about the ground, the Don't ground everywhere. I'm like, yeah. man, your <laughs> airspeed zero down here. You know I mean? It's, you don't have anything else to worry about. I mean, right. that should be the easy part. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I get it. You know, I get nervous about, you know, I, every year I have to go do a, do a check ride at Southwest. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you I study the material and I try to get ready and, and, and you get nervous before before kickoff. But yeah. once kickoff happens, it's you settle in. You settle in. Yeah, I, I remember that too, man. I, gosh, I was, uh, I was a basket case going into yeah. – you know, my check ride and the orals, you know, to your point, just as it got started, you know, I kind of settled in and then we got in the aircraft mm -hmm. and I felt, I think everyone, you know, feels like they, they, they flew their, their practical horribly. Right. Cause mm -hmm. you know, very few actually fly it, you know, by the numbers and they can say, mm -hmm. Hey, I walked away feeling a hundred percent confident that I nailed that the oral, I felt like I nailed mm -hmm. DP even said, I nailed it. The practical mm -hmm. felt like I had to, when we landed, I turned around to him and I said, I promise you, I fly better than this. <laughs> and he said, listen, man, you pass, right? We're not looking for perfection yeah. up here, right? We're just looking right. to understand that you're safe and that you can actually execute the maneuvers. I felt like Correct. I did terribly. And I think that's something that yeah. folks can take away as well is, you know, the DPEs aren't looking for perfection, at least not at the private mm -hmm. level. You know, you, right. you do these maneuvers to your point, you know, to the point that you know them in your, in your sleep and you actually mm -hmm. go up there and execute them and, you know, the reason why you practice so much is because, you know, there is that margin for error when you go up mm -hmm. there that that nerves kind of sets in and, and can, can kind of create that, um, you know, some of those things there. But, um, you know, yeah. settle in. And um, to your point, your your instructor wouldn't have signed you off if they didn't think you were ready and uh, mm -hmm. go nail it. Go nail it. And, so. and like you said, Mike, the, the DPEs know that. You're going to be nervous. This is your first check ride, right? So they allow well, some grace for that. The, the, they all they all know this is your first time. So they're going to do their best to settle you down because what they want yeah. to what they want to grade is your knowledge and your application out in the airplane. So they're not going to, you know, they're not going to create an environment where it's just super stressful. They're going to try to figure out, hey, I need to know what this person knows. Yep. And if I create a very stressful or, or a very antagonistic, uh, antagonistic uh, 
check ride. Yeah. I'm just going to shut them down and they're not exactly. going to tell me anything. And, and yep. what did we get out of it? Right. You know, yep. so, um, yeah, so that's, you know, private, like you said, that's a big one because it's your yeah. first one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Appreciate that perspective. Thank you. Um, there, there was another question here as it relates to, and again, it's, it's not your airline, but I think, mm-hmm. uh, not neither of your airlines, obviously, but I think, uh, for the industry, you know, it definitely, um, has a bearing on the industry, right? You know, mm-hmm. there's definitely lots of opinions and lots of things circulating around this. And, and that's that merger between frontier and spirit. Um, you know, for folks that are not in the industry, right. We, we hear the new side of things, right. You know, spirit and frontier merge and, and, you know, they kind of highlight at a high level what that means and what that looks like to us as consumers and folks that fly on the airline. But there's definitely a perspective for those folks that actually work in the airline, whether you're the ramp guy or you're the senior pilot. Right. Um, and that's the perspective that not a lot of, the public or us viewers have, you know, you being in the industry, you being in the airline, um, is there a perspective, you know, on, on that merger and what that means to, to pilots and those folks that work in the airline, um, and what that means for the aviation, uh, world in, in general, um, that merger, if you know, you know, much about it. Yeah. You know, I just, I have no surface level, so I know mm-hmm. what I've read. I know what our company has put out. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just kind of industry news. Right. Um, you're seeing a lot of consolidation in the industry. You know, I, I, I love business. I, I'm very entrepreneurial. I love seeing the business side of things. Yeah. And I think with that, uh, with that merger, there's consolidation going on in, in the airline world. Mm-hmm. And also in the business aviation world, I'm, I'm very in tune to that. And uh, I love reading up. Wheels Up just purchased one of the companies out here in Scottsdale. Okay. Um, as a part of their consolidation. So I think in the industry, there's going to be a lot of consolidation. And I, I, this is speculation on my part Mm -hmm. is pilots are becoming very scarce, a scarce resource right now to grow an airline. You can't grow an airline without pilots or flight attendants or rampers. Another good way to increase your business and to scale would be to acquire another business. And in the case of frontier and spirit, I, I would guess that that was part of the decision-making on that gotcha. process yep. was what a way to get, you know, grow our business than to already purchase another business that's fully up and running and then integrate that in together. Now the integration portion is going to be the challenging part for any business, right? So you've got two companies that were pretty much the same size and scale, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Trying to merge those in, you've got different cultures at those different businesses and, you know, different ways of doing things. Even though we all fly airplanes, believe it or not, every airline flies an airplane, the, the same airplane differently, just minor yeah. differences. Yeah. But, you know, it's just learning that stuff. Corporate culture is huge, you know, trying mm-hmm. to retain, you know, that good corporate value, that good culture within your, your corporation. Uh, that's going to be a challenge as well. So with any merger, and not just in the airlines, any business merger, it's it's a challenge. So uh, I think as far as the consumer goes, you're going to see a little bit, uh, you know, any consolidation has the potential of, of raising prices, uh, especially when those two airlines were overlapping quite a bit on, on one route structure. Maybe. Yeah, yep. So, and if there isn't a whole lot of choice in that route structure, you're going to see a little bit of a price increase. I would think as right. a consumer... Um, 
that's what you would see. But um, gotcha. as far as as far as a pilot perspective, I think I think it creates a lot of opportunity for those guys. You know, mm-hmm. two two companies coming together to become a bigger company can now attack their competitors. You know, kind of on a united front. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that 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 makes sense. Um, uh, guys, we are on with Big Earn. Thank you for joining. If you guys got questions for Ernie, you know, definitely uh, put them in the chat there. Uh, there was one question. We'll get to that one in a second, Ernie. Sure. I do want to ask another question because I think this is one big part of the merger as well as it relates to from the, the pilot perspective, at least, is this whole concept of seniority. Can you right. kind of walk through, you know, what seniority actually means uh, in yeah, the airline sure. world and, and, uh, and you know, kind of give our viewers a perspective on that? Yeah. So it's, I just had this discussion with my buddy, Sam, who's a physician and it's mm-hmm. quite different, right? So as a physician, he can leave one practice, which is what he did and started a new practice yeah. and he started getting other physicians to come over. So their seniority at a certain practice when they come over dictates what they're going to get paid, their compensation. Right. And, uh, you know, it creates a value for them. Yep. So they can laterally move to another company and maybe even increase their, their compensation package or benefits or position within the company. Mm-hmm. For a pilot, that does not happen. So I've been at Southwest a little over 10 years now. If I choose to leave and I go to another company, regardless of what it is, I start at the very bottom. So I'm year one there. I lose all the seniority. Um, Unlike in a physician where I would step from a 10-year guy maybe to another 10-year person in another hospital, that doesn't work the same in uh, the airlines. That's why we always say seniority is everything. So, you know, get to the airline that you want to be at, not just any airline, the airline that you really want to be at as fast as possible because that – that dictates your long-term, you know, longevity as far as compensation, retirement, upgrade, all that stuff. So it's, yeah. it's a very big, big deal. Now, when you're trying to, well, we talked about the frontier and spirit, as you merge those in, there's going to be seniority issues with that. They try to, to figure out, um, you know, there's, there's all the different sides, right? There's the company side, there's the frontier pilot side, there's the spirit pilot side. And how do they merge that all into one acceptable uh, seniority list? Yeah. You know, it's a challenge. And you're, that. It's a challenge and you're not going to please everybody. You know, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the company has to look at the business aspect of it. Right. The pilots have to look at, hey, you know, I, I have to provide food, you know, for my family and, yep. you know, career expectations and stuff. So it's a lot to manage. And I don't I don't envy those guys right now. Yeah, it's, not at all. You know, it's, it's always tough. Indeed. All right. Makes sense. Uh, there was a question. Uh, Flight Sim 69 says, do I need a four-year to be a pilot? I'm only doing two years and ATP. Question from uh, 69. So I know Delta uh, recently waived their four-year degree requirement, but general right. for industry standard um, is a four-year required for, for most of the uh, the aviation world um, or is it no, two-year and ATP? Okay. Yeah. Four-year degrees has started uh, to, to kind of go away. It's always weighted. So um, yeah, not to bring up the football thing again, but I always think right. of it like a combine, right? Like the football combine. Like you may have a four, 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 three, forty, but yeah. your vertical leap is terrible, right? Right. They merge all those together to find out what kind of athlete you are. It's the same Got thing it. with yeah. with pilots, right? So okay. you may have a four year degree, 
but maybe you only have, you know, 2,500 hours. I'm just using it as an example. Right. Whereas someone that has 8,000 hours of flying time as a captain in, mm-hmm. you know, com- complex heavy airplanes or, or jets, right. but they only have a two-year degree. How does that, how, how do, how does that rack and stack? And that's where we use, you know, technology to kind of give us the best insight that we can to produce, you know, a viable candidate and rack and stack them properly. And that's, that's always, that's, it's a moving target because mm-hmm. the industry is moving very fast right now with qualifications and who's competitive versus who isn't. So um, what we don't want to do, uh, and again, just speaking for Ernie, uh, is lose out to somebody who could be that all-star player just because that person didn't have a four-year degree, four-year degree or that person yeah. didn't have, you know, uh, you know, 15,000 hours, right? Right. Um, you, you uh, we've all seen it where, you know, you have somebody that comes in and he or she is just a truly heads above their peers as far as talent and, and ability. So, you know, as my job as a recruiter, my job is to go out and get that person and try yeah. to help recruit that person. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, guys, thank you for, uh, for tuning in here. We are on with, uh, with Ernie flying with big Ernie, as you all know him, uh, Ryan, Ryan says, uh, currently driving to United Aviate Academy at the moment from San Diego. Can I get a ride in the green Hornet? Ryan, I think you're, you're driving to the wrong airline. First of all, um, but, should be going uh, to Falcon field. Maybe we, we should talk, be going to Falcon no. field, but maybe, <laughs> no. maybe you already Ryan. can work something out. <laughs> yeah. No, Ryan, right. okay, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I just, I just want to see more people in the industry. So really, I would love you to come to us, but uh, just, you know, more people in the industry is always a good thing. Indeed. Indeed. Another serious question here. I think we're getting into the serious part of the conversation <laughs> now. That's what's going on. James says, I don't know if this was asked already, but thoughts on the new serious color options. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I like the fact that there's more. Because yeah. previously, Cirrus only had, what, like four colors that you can right. choose from, um, unless you went aftermarket and, and, and gotcha. repainted. Yeah, or custom, you could yeah. do the, yeah, there's some, there are a bunch of different things that you could possibly do. But, um, you know, I think paint jobs on an airplane is, is just, uh, I think it speaks to the owner, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think Indeed. it's highly subjective to what the owner likes. And right. for me, I'm yeah. a blue guy and I'm a green guy. I love yeah. blue and green and, you know, green was a little different and, you know, actually I blame Sam on that one. Sam was the one that, <laughs> that kind of pushed That's it. Nice. But I like I, it. <laughs> I, I do. I, you know, I, I don't tell him often, but he's, he's right. A lot of the times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. I think the one of the new colors I like with Sirius, I think it's Himalayan salt or something. Today. Himalayan yeah. salt. Yeah. That that's a really, nice really well. neat one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sticking with Sirius here. There was another question. Uh, thoughts about using the SR 22 for uh 135 ops on the side. Have you ever given that any thought? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where you know our airplanes are like our baby. You know, it's like yeah, you don't you don't want to yeah. you don't want to put it somewhere where it gets used a tremendous amount. But I see, yeah. I, I absolutely see the value in putting in a part one thirty five company. Um, it it really does offset your cost. You know, it's not going to pay for the airplane, but if you can reduce your cost as far as hangar insurance, you know, mm-hmm. some of the maintenance items on there. Um, yeah, but uh, 
135 is a good option for some people. I wouldn't say for everybody. Right. Yeah, no, it's tough. Even the lease back, you know, aspect. I'm currently looking to buy a plane as well. And, you know, one of the options on the table, get one in and, and do a lease back. And I'm just like, do I really want a bunch of folks flying <laughs> my, my airplane? You know, it, it's, it's, it's yeah. definitely tough. It's definitely tough. Um, yeah. But, you know, speaking of the Cirrus, what, what's next for you guys? I mean, do you guys continue to uh, – you want to continue to fly that the SR-22? Are you guys looking to to upgrade to probably something else, maybe even a, a light jet? What, what are you guys thinking? Yeah, you know, again, I'm always, I'm, I'm always looking for business aspects. And, you know, I, I, I love business aviation. It's mm-hmm. been kind of a passion. I, I spent – five years, six years flying a Citation 10, and then another oh, nice. two years at a fractional. So I love the business aspect of, of private aviation. Um, but I love the Cirrus tremendously. It's it's such a great airplane. And yeah. I, I would hope to keep the Cirrus for a while. Got um, it. But, you know, in terms of business, there's, there's a personal side and, you know, a business aspect to the Cirrus, of course. But I think as you move up into some of those, you know, turbine airplanes, whether it's a turboprop or, or a jet, mm-hmm. um, you really have to look at can your business sustain uh, something like that because that right. is a high, high cost barrier to get into yeah. and operate. Yep, yep. No, makes sense. I, I, I would, uh, you know, the Cirrus is my favorite GA aircraft, so I appreciate that you guys are planning to keep that uh, for a little while longer. Yeah. On the yeah. <laughs> oh, Sam's Sam's rolling right into his instrument, so he's gonna get his awesome. instrument in that thing. Awesome. We'll we'll have it a little bit longer. (laughs) Great. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, Nick Lane says, uh, when hiring, would you rather have someone that has flown more aircrafts or has uh, more uh, piloting command time? So I guess he's talking about the variability in aircraft or just someone who has a a ton of time. No, that's a great question. Um, Thanks for your question, Nick. It, 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 you know, again, it varies, right? It's what else is in your, your resume, you know, Mm. have you been, you know, what kind of airplanes have you flown? Have you flown, you know, heavy jets or, you know, were you a pilot in command of another uh, airplane? It really, for us, you know, and I'm speaking broadly, it, your your resume is kind of a, a peek into what you've done in your past, yes, but also kind of your motivation on why you chose what you chose. Did you choose a lateral career move? Mm-hmm. Or did you choose something, you know, maybe you were flying a CRJ and you had the opportunity to fly an Airbus. Um, maybe it's right seat to right seat. And I think that's kind of the gist of the question. Yeah. But um, we valued uh, leadership at our company. So the way you can get leadership in an airplane is by being the captain, right? Even though the first officer has a leadership role, the captain is ultimately in charge. And that's really spoke to us highly um, and to a lot of companies that, that go out and hiring, they want to hire future captains. So Got the it. best way to, to see how you performed as a captain is to have some captain time and be able to speak to that when you're brought in for an interview. Gotcha. Um, kind of a long round answer. To, no, no, it makes sense. Basically to say, Nick, it depends, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what is what is in your resume in the background? Do you have a lot of pilot and command time already in other jets? Um, and would that move be viewed as a lateral move as opposed to, you know, I, I, I've heard of some regional jet guys going from uh, the right seat of an RJ to the right seat of a seven, four, like at, at Atlas. For wow. Instance. Okay. Um, you know, that's, yeah, man, that's a, that's a kind of a cool thing to go play. <laughs> yeah. seven four, so. Right. 
but it, it all depends. And again, we have technology that tries to sort all that out and rack and stack. Oh, okay. Um, That's interesting. But I, I will, if I were in your position, I always say, that, what if, what if I were in your position? I think my position would be go get the PIC time first. Got it. Makes sense. Thank you, Ernie. Um, another question here. Uh, <laughs> what is your favorite airport to fly into or any favorite approach slash departure besides Phoenix? <laughs> besides <laughs> it's always nice coming home. It's always nice coming <laughs> home. I will say that. Um, yeah. So uh, the favorite approach, I think, is the uh, the visual going into uh, Washington, D.C. Reagan Airport because uh, oh. you fly basically down the river yeah, and there's a the point right on the right the river visual yeah. and there's a point on this bridge you have to hit certain points on the on on your on approach yeah and on the bridge the last bridge it's a turning final turn yeah. and you're rolling out uh, you know <laughs> very low right on there so it's 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 really cool uh, you don't get to sightsee much when you're the pilot flying on that right, and right. even when you're a pilot not flying you're trying to watch the guy that's flying and make sure that he's on track and everything's good. You maybe take a peek a little bit to see the capital and all that good stuff. But right. um, that's a really cool approach. Um, and then, uh, you know, I love taking the Cirrus to Sedona. It's probably my favorite place to oh, go. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It's just beautiful red rock everywhere. And mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's fun to fly. So I think uh, in the in the Cirrus, Sedona is probably my top. Awesome. See, that's a perfect answer. You gave an airline answer as well as a GA answer. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, go, going back to flight to, I, there are a ton of folks out here who have shot that river visual. And I mean, spot on yeah. following the star, mm -hmm. you know, following going right. I was that one nine, I think into DCA off the river visual. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's one, one nine. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you're right. That turn, even in the sim, it, it gets folks, right. Cause yeah. you either overshoot or you undershoot and then you find yourself mm -hmm. in trouble. There's not a lot of time to correct. There's not um, a lot of time. But uh, yeah, that, that is awesome. Uh, Chief says, nice river visual. Yeah, everyone loves that approach. Yep. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Uh, Orlando AV Geek, what are some of the most important things to factor in when trying to decide which airline to fly slash apply for? Um, yeah, I, you know, as I advise my daughter on, you know, she's getting to the the time where she's starting to look at some of these airlines to apply to, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I use airline don't discount like some of the, uh, the fractional operators as well. Uh, I have had some of my best times flying, you know, business jets, you know, because it's different and you, you learn a ton because you're doing most of the work to flight plan and, and, you know, weight and balance and you know all yeah. that stuff i I, th I find my time in business aviation to be very valuable um to where i'm at right now but uh in any case definitely do your research on the company you want to make sure that the company is kind of sound you know find out what their values are do they align with your values um find out their leadership structure you know mm -hmm. who who if you have an issue who do you go to and 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 how are they you know you hear there's tons of um chat rooms and and there's a lot of information out there to really gauge what a company's culture is like because regardless if you're just starting out you want to go to a place that truly respects you respects the value that you give the company and in return they support you with all the tools and training and everything you need to be the safe competent pilot that you are so I would really focus on those aspects when choosing a company, even if it's your quote unquote stepping stone to a bigger company. Right. 
a lot of companies don't mind that. They want you to come in, get your experience, but while you're there, work hard for them. You know, be that best pilot that you can. You know, go above and beyond. And then when it's time to leave, and when I make phone calls to go, hey, how was this person at your company? Were they, you know, a good employee? We get the, oh, outstanding employee, above and beyond, would do anything for us, just hardworking. Those are the kind of feedback that we we look for when we do kind of evaluation on whether or not we hire somebody. So gotcha. um, choosing the right company and then being that best employee you can for that company, regardless if you're moving on or not. Gotcha. You know, there's a lot of consistency in, in you know, your answers as it relates to the, the career and, and whatnot. And I think, you know, that consistency is, you know, it's not just one aspect that you all are looking for, right? It, it, mm -hmm. It's what makes up this whole pilot, right? You know, what's mm -hmm. your, are you a good cultural fit? You know, are you, you know, what's your background? You know, what, what levels of ed education have you achieved, right? It's not just, you've got the hours, you've got the qualifications mm -hmm. and you're hired. There's lots of different variables that, yeah. that go into it. It makes sense. And that's yeah. a, that's, that's really a big, uh, some people don't understand that, that that's like, Hey, you know, this person has 10,000 hours and can't get hired. Well, okay. Well, let's dig into his background right. and find out why, you know, it, it's, you know, especially companies are looking for a good employee in terms of skill set, right? Like they want to make sure that you're a safe pilot in our, in our work group, safe, competent, and uh, skilled pilot. But yep. they also need to know that you're going to get along with the rest of your employees, you know? Right. And they don't need somebody who may be, you know, uh, maverick in the airplane <laughs> and can fly anything. Yeah, exactly. But can't get along with his, his first officer or his flight attendants or anything right. like that. So those are big things. And that's what can kill a culture in a company. So we're that's yep. why we're very, you know, very picky when, when, you know, and all companies are like this. They're very picky when they start hiring people because yep. you hire one bad apple and that can metastasize to other work Absolutely. So, you know, humble and hungry, right? Yep. I always say that. You, know, <laughs> you got to be humble. You got to be hungry. And, you know, it's a team sport. So Awesome. Uh, oh my gosh, it's an hour already, guys. This, <laughs> this has been fantastic. <laughs> wow, that flew by. Time has flown. <laughs> Uh, oh man, I think we've got time for maybe one or two more questions. Uh, and then as you all know, Ernie is very busy. So I do appreciate you taking the time to, to sit oh, with us here today. Um, Mountman says, do you feel like the current cost for pilot training is hurting the industry? Um, the short answer is yes. There's always been that cost barrier to entry for our, for our industry. You know, it's, it's, expensive to train a pilot and the costs are going up. You know, I just, you know, you look at the cost of oil this morning was above $104 yeah. a barrel. I think 114, yeah. that's going to have an impact not mm -hmm. only in the airline world, but in, in the flight training world as well, yeah. everything gets more expensive. So yeah, that, that's a, that's a big cost. The, the cost to entry is a big barrier for a lot of people. Um, a lot of schools are working, trying to work with uh, banks to try yes. to come up with cost-effective solutions to provide flight training, you know, so someone could come in. Usually it was typically part 141 schools only. Right. Um, there are a few schools. I know Sierra Charlie out here in Scottsdale have been working very hard on getting a part 91 training program um, approved uh, for financial aid. So yep. 
And I'm sure a lot more schools around the, the country are doing that as well. But um, it's a very it's a very high cost. But you have to remember, physicians have the same cost to get to where they're at. You know, yeah. I, I use that because my best friend's a physician. So he talks about like we talk about the differences and the similarities between our, our careers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a doctor will, will take out hundreds of thousand dollars in loans right. and pay it off for a very long time. Yep. Um, in the aviation world, you know, a hundred, hundred and twenty thousand dollars, I think, is about average right now for if you go through one of these big programs yep. uh, to get your ratings, um, you know, and, and with, you know, the quote unquote shortage, I'll use it, uh, of pilots coming up, yeah. you know, that the compensation package is going to be that that you are you're making an investment into your future and you're going to be able to recoup that cost you know, with a, hopefully a 20 year, 30 year airline career. Career. Yep. Um, no. So it's an investment in yourself, you know? Um, but the cost, yeah, I, I would agree that the cost is, is a major factor in folks not coming to the airline industry. Yeah, absolutely. And the availability of, you know, you, like you just mentioned, being able to get loans for it, you know, it's, um, or it's been tough traditionally to your point, it's only been part 141, or if you went the university route, but, uh, there are more and more, you know, uh, organizations out there, AOPA, I know they offer mm-hmm. scholarships as well. Uh, so there, there are opportunities out there guys for those, um, that are looking to, you know, pursue an aviation career or just their, your private pilot in general, you know, uh, don't let it, it's hard to to it's it's easy to sit here and say because you know it, it happened to me um mm-hmm. you know there were a couple of false starts and stops but don't let costs kind of be you know the the factor to, to holding you back to pursuing your dream and, and what you actually really want to do um so and I, I will say that it it it's very it's hard to tell somebody yeah i know it's expensive but you you just do what you got to do to to make it happen right uh it's hard to do that but at the flip side of that if you really want it you are going to find a way to make that happen um i was very blessed i had my my parents help me out a lot on my my flight training um but they you know we didn't come from a lot of money it was it was difficult and i didn't want to see my parents working you know their tail off to put me through school so i got a job bagging groceries and at the base and i worked for tips and i remember $37 $37 is what got me one hour of flight time in a Cessna 152. So oh, wow. <laughs> I would try to make at least $37 every day to try yeah, to, to, to get help, an hour. Open that process. Right. Yeah. yeah so no, that's, there's, that's there's awesome. ways. If you want it bad enough, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out how to get it done. Absolutely. Um, all right. Last question here. We've got to let Ernie go. Uh, fly with rookie. This is a, this is a cool one because, uh, as a Tesla owner, I love it. Uh, I remember when you got yours, I had to shout out, oh, shout yeah. you out and reach out and say congrats, but he says big shout out to the close traffic podcast and also bigger. And this is absolutely amazing to witness, but let's talk about Tesla bigger. Tell us, <laughs> tell us why you purchased it and what model. <laughs> yes. So, uh, I, I, I purchased a Tesla Model 3 uh, dual motor, um, so kind of, I guess it's the middle one. I didn't get the performance, but uh, I get the mid, mid-range mid one, and uh, it was, man, it was great. I, I've always heard from my buddies who are Tesla owners that they are, it's almost like cult-like, right? Like, they love their <laughs> Tesla, and you're like, really, is that good? And yeah. I, I can say by having owned it now, I think maybe two, three months, uh, it is the best car I've ever owned. 
Um, oh, yeah. It's just, it's great not having to worry about the gas prices right now, you know, as yep. they're increasing. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I tried a supercharger for the first time, I think, uh, a week ago. Uh-huh. And uh, I, it was just, I parked, I plugged it in, I went and got a cup of coffee, and I came back, and it was charged, it was charged <laughs> up. <laughs> Nothing to so it, yeah. It was all pretty new. But I love the technology in there, and I love the, the, the speed and the peppiness in it. Mm-hmm. You know, getting up to speed really quick. It's going to get me in trouble, I could already say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's amazing. Thumbs up. Go buy one. Thumbs up, yes. <laughs> There you go, guys. It's not just me. (laughs) Johnny, if Johnny was on, he would have probably, uh, he loves to make fun of of me owning a Tesla. He probably would have started that in the introduction. So see, Johnny, (laughs) it's not just me. Uh, Go get you one. Uh, Anyways, uh, Ernie, this has been fantastic. Uh, You know, you're a busy guy. I I appreciate you taking the time, the community. uh, I know thoroughly enjoyed this. I appreciate you answering our questions and the questions in the chat. Um, You know, uh, we'll, we'll love to have you on again sometime in the near future for sure. Uh, but I would love to awesome. I would love to be on. Um, one thing before I end, I do yes. want to do like kind of like a call to action. Yes. Um, up in UND, you know, uh, a few months ago, there was an accident involving John Hauser. And huh. as we peeled back that uh, the causal factors of that, um, he was suffering from a lot of uh, mental anguish. And mm. for me, you know, I want to use I want to use my platform for helping others, obviously getting into the aviation career field, but also, um, you know, that having a daughter that's up there, it kind of hit me right. pretty hard. Um, one of his, I wrote it down. One of his uh, last wishes was, if you could do anything for me, try to change the FAA rules so that other young pilots don't have to go through what I went through. And, um, you know, I get choked up even reading it. Yeah. You know, flight training is extremely difficult already to begin with. Um, And I think there's a lot of stress that goes in, especially amongst a lot of these flight schools where you have the the pressure to perform. And I think there needs to be an outlet for, you know, these young professionals to to talk to somebody. And, you know, I I don't know what I can do, but I know I need to do something in that space to Mm -hmm. make sure that, you know, our, our young professionals that are coming up to fly airplanes have that avenue to reach out when they need help and not have any kind of retribution or yeah. uh, any kind of negative stigma attached to it. Because, you know, this is how we get through it. You know, I got through flight training with the help of my brothers and sisters that were around me. So right. um, I just think that's a big thing that, that we all as a group need to tackle and to face and to affect some change. So yep. anyways, I just wanted yep. to add that out there. That that is spot on, and and for those that you know are in the chat, you know that don't understand the context too much, you know, ha- having, you know, uh, how to put this nicely, but struggling with mental uh, issues or or challenges uh, is really looked down upon uh, at the FAA level and at the medical level. Um, there really isn't an outlet today for pilots to go to to be able to get treatment for that without impacting. Uh, their their ticket, unfortunately, at any level from the private all the way up. Um, so that's what Ernie is talking about. And us as a community and and those that, you know, are involved in aviation and have this love for aviation and this passion for aviation um, can look at finding ways to influence that uh, for it to, to be better, because there are too many stories out there like that one for sure. There are not a lot of folks that come forward and get the proper help that they need 
unfortunately, um, because of fear of, of, of losing what they worked their whole life for, for many people, uh, so hard. So thank you, Ernie, for, for bringing that up. And there's definitely things that we can do on our part as well. If there are any, you know, actionable, uh, things that we can do as well, you know, whether it's, you know, letters that we need to write, or if you've got, um, you know, a fundraiser or whatever it is, um, definitely, you know, contact us, let us know. And uh, we'll yeah. definitely share that amongst the community. All right. All right. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, Appreciate it. Uh, thank you all for joining. I'm going to count us out here. Uh, you all be well, take care. And as we always say, keep the blue side up. We'll see ya. Bye, everybody. Thank you. I get to it first, I got you mad. I guess that when I get to it last, get it that I'm never going back. Get it that I'm never going back. I get to it first, I got you mad. I guess that when I get to it last, get it that I'm never going back. Get it that I'm never going back. Going up, going up, going up, going up, going up, going up. Get it that I'm never going up, going up, going up, going up, going up, going up.